Let's just pray. It's true, there is no one like Jesus. I just ask you in this reflective moment, do you believe that? Even if you don't fully understand what that might mean, are you willing to declare in your own heart, in your own words, Jesus, I believe there is no one like you. And in this moment, it might be that you're saying, yes, I do believe that. Then there may be things that you are holding on to that you need to submit to him, to give over to him, to let him reign over in your life in this moment and to name them and to literally hand them to him. It might be your health, it might be your future, it could be your finances or your family, it might be your fears or anxieties, it might be your dreams and visions. Could be problems or possibilities. And as you do, listen to his word to you in this moment. I'm with you. I'm for you. I stand by you. I've made a way for you. Follow me. I'll meet you when you get there because I'll already be there ahead of you. And maybe Jesus is saying, now is the time to step out. Or for some, now is your time to wait and see what I will do. Lord, may there be some wonderful testimonies come from this moment as people put into practice their trust in you with the things in their lives that one day they'll have a story to tell of what you've done because of this moment of faith. Amen. Please be seated. You know, it's a great thing. Um, we're a bit sparse on the ground here this morning, either because people really slept in. I mean, I think when you've got a 10.30 service, that allows for the 9 o'clock people to still get to church, even if they miss the daylight saving change, I would have thought. But we know there's lots of people on holidays, and I've already seen just looking online that we've got a lot of people who are normally here are joining us from their holiday destinations in Port Vincent and, and places like that. Our online host that we have each week often is sitting at the back of the church, but this week Jo Menzel is hosting online from her home in the Barossa. Uh, it's just a wonderful way that, you know, our church is changing. We are uh, a people here and we are a people who are connected in, in other places. Uh, if my friends from Pinaru are watching this morning or a bit later on when they get to watch this, I want to say good day to you as well. Just recently, uh, we had a friend around for a meal, someone we catch up with a couple of times a year. We've known them for 20 years. They used to be part of our old church uh, where I, Mary and I were for 14 years down in Powerful Gardens, 
moved, has come back and have rejoined that church. And she said to us, I just love it when your son Peter is on the door on Sunday mornings. He just does such a great job of welcoming. And I just feel so welcomed and appreciated and noticed when he's on the door. That was one of those proud dad moments when you hear that about your uh, adult son. Now, usually it's not nice when people are gossiping about you unless they are saying good things, of course. The thing is, as we start this new series, we're going to discover that we can all live a life that people will want to talk about us and will be talking about us, but it will be all good. And so we begin this series, stepping our way through the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, a a letter written by Paul that will help us in our everyday lives as everyday people live out an exemplary faith and life. This letter, 1 Thessalonians, was written by Paul to, uh, who was a church planter and a missionary in the first century uh, in the Mediterranean Rim. And he'd just been recently to this city called Thessalonica. Now it still exists, but it's now called Thessaloniki in Greece, at the top of the Aegean Sea. And he'd been there as the first Christian to share the good news of Jesus with people. And, and people came to faith in that city while Paul was there. And he started a church, a gathering of believers in that place. And Paul wrote this letter a couple of months later back to them. Now, Paul was there for only three weeks and he was forced to flee because of severe persecution. And these young believers, as much as I'm sure they would have wanted Paul to stay with them, said, you need to go. And they sent Paul and his team on their way. And so Paul had to leave these three-week-old Christians in a pagan city. There's been no church there before. There's no other Christians around them as persecution broke out against them. And so Paul writes maybe a couple of months later back to them to encourage them. He'd sent Timothy, one of his team, back in between to find out how they were getting on and Timothy gets back to him. Uh, He's either in Athens or Corinth at that time in southern Greece and Timothy says they're doing well in many ways. And so Paul then sends this letter back to them. But the thing is, as we begin this letter, you'll see that Paul has already heard the gossip about them. So he starts his letter this way, as Paul often does. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Now, when we read the word church, we often think of a group of people, maybe like here at Hope Valley Church, or you know, that are gathered in a building that's been around a long time. Hope Valley Church as a congregation has existed for over 150 years. It's not the case with these. He's writing to the church as a group of believers who are gathering together, probably in homes, not as this organised institution that has a history. They don't even have the New Testament. They may have access to some of the scrolls in the Old Testament. So it's not a church like we experience church these days. In fact, Paul's letter 
possibly was the first part of the New Testament that was written in its final form, and they are getting it firsthand. Paul goes on, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember for our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, these are baby Christians, and yet already Paul is commending them for their faith, their loving service, their deep hope. He goes on, For now, brothers and sisters, loved by God, for know this, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words. Paul preached a lot, but there was more to what happened when he came. Not simply with words, but also with power, miracles. God did things amongst them, healed people. And with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, you see, Paul knows from his own experience that when Jesus comes into someone's life, he has power to transform them from the inside out. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and the Lord. That's Jesus. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's something different is happening when Paul's talking about what happened when he shared the good news of Jesus with them. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia into that region of Greece. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere, Paul says. And that's a, that kind of phrase they use a lot back in that time in the Roman world, really meaning uh, somewhere around the Mediterranean Rim because that's the world that they knew in terms of existed. People were already gossiping about these new Christians who had only been following Jesus for a few weeks. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. They had already become known for living a different life because they now trusted in Jesus rather than feared idols. They had already become known for this extravagant, generous, different kind of love that they practiced by the way they served other people and engaged with them. They would already become known for their endurance under severe pressure and persecution and not just kind of gritting their teeth but with an optimism and a positivity. Now, of course, it isn't always so straightforward. I came across this apocryphal writing that kind of says, you know, it's true, um, that someone dug up somewhere in, you know, recent history. And it, it purports to talk about when Jonah, for those of you who know the story of Jonah, if you don't, he was running away from God, got chucked off a ship in the middle of the Mediterranean, got swallowed by a, a big fish, possibly a whale, spewed up on a beach, and God said, now go and do what I told you to do. 
And this group of people found Jonah on the beach, peeling the seaweed off and the, you know, the whatever you'd have from being inside a fish. And he tells them the story of what he'd done and what had happened to him. And they all looked at him as he finished the story and they said, it sounds fishy to me. These new Christians, they stood out in this pagan city. They were now different in some way. People noticed they didn't pay homage to the idols. They weren't fearful of the spirits behind the idols, nor were they fearful of those people who had power over them. They no longer acted corruptly or in self-interest, which was kind of the norm in the society and culture in that day. You had to kind of look after number one. You see, that's what happens when someone puts their faith in Jesus. Some years ago now, I was in northern Thailand in a little village called Hua Nil, and I was introduced to a man of Hmong uh, ethnicity. He was in their village what they called the spirit man, uh, if you translate it into English. He was kind of a, a combination spiritual advisor and kind of um, herbal medicine man. Well, interestingly, he was the scrawniest looking guy in the village. And talking with him, we asked him if he knew anything about Jesus through an interpreter and he said, well, no, I don't. But my cousin, whom I know, has begun following Jesus and I've noticed he's no longer afraid of the spirits in the forest. You see, this story about what happened in Thessalonica in around 50 AD is not a story from history, it's a story of what Jesus continues to do today. You know, when someone gets to know Jesus, Jesus gets a, and gets a, Jesus is allowed to get a grip on their heart, they change, they make different decisions, they act differently in their life and people notice. And while some people may be disturbed by it or fearful of it, generally they notice that these changes are good. Now remember, these new Christians didn't have the New Testament. They weren't kind of standing up or arguing their kind of case based on these words written in a book that they could show people. All they knew was the risen Lord Jesus themselves. They'd met him. They'd experienced the transformation in their own hearts that Jesus brought, the joy, the peace, the power, the help. You see, these were people of the risen Lord Jesus. They're not people of the book or the word. Their lives were changed by Jesus. And so first up today, I want to say that living a life that overflows with faith, with love and with hope is only possible through a relationship with Jesus. It is only possible through a relationship with Jesus. There's no other way. Now, if you want to be someone who lives with faith, who is set free to leave, to love others extravagantly, is able to persevere when life is tough or threatening or scary, then it's only going to happen if you enter a relationship with Jesus and walk with him. Everything else that we'll share through this series and in this sermon today flows from that truth. That's what the Thessalonians discovered. 
And that's why they weren't willing to change when the pressure came. Secondly, know that Jesus has chosen you for this. Paul wrote, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Whether you have chosen Jesus yet or not, Jesus has already chosen you. He's got his eyes on you. He knows your name. He knows the life that you can live if you live it with him already. He's already died for you. He's already forgiven you because of what he did on the cross. He's already risen for you so that you might share in that resurrected life with him now and forever. He's prepared a place in heaven for you already. He's already promised you the gift of the Holy Spirit to live within you as you walk with him. You see, Jesus is God's yes and amen to you. Therefore, you can live by faith in Jesus. You can live as though God can be trusted, not living in your own strength. And this isn't just about kind of being more positive and confident in yourself. Yesterday I had the joy of uh, the first trip up the river with my kids uh, and some friends to go skiing. I didn't do much because I tweaked my back earlier in the week. But one of our friends here at church, Kevin Gruel, came up uh, and now Kevin's uh, well into his 60s and has skied a lot throughout his life. But he still has confidence in himself to the point that he demonstrated to the young guys who are in their 20s how to barefoot ski. Pretty scary because you're going very fast. We had the video available, I'll show you. And then he coached the boys into barefoot skiing and one of them actually was able to, to do it. They were stoked. Now that kind of thing is about a confidence in yourself and your skill. And isn't it great that when you're that age, you can still, if you've kept yourself fit, still do the things you can do. But that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about living by faith. It's living by a faith in Jesus, not in your abilities. It's living by faith in Jesus who can do things for you, in you, through you, that you can't do yourself, that would be impossible without him. You see, because of Jesus, you can be free to serve others with a generous, extravagant love. You can be set free from self-preservation and the fear of not having enough if you give it away and so on because Jesus has promised, if you walk with me, if you seek me first, if you seek the kingdom First, then I will make sure you have all you need. I will be with you. I will protect you. I will guide you. And ultimately, no matter how things pan out now, the end is secured. And so we can live with certainty, with positivity, with an optimism that goes beyond kind of wishful thinking, with a sure and certain hope that not only is about knowing how the story ends, but impacts how we live today with a smile on our face, with a confidence that comes from knowing the risen Lord Jesus. It's not just about shifting your mindset from being a half-glassed, empty person to a half-glassed, full person because your glass is now full and overflowing every day because Jesus is with you. And thirdly, 
To live as this self-replicating example of Jesus is your purpose in life. It's your God-given calling. It's what God wants you to do with your life here on earth. As a woman who puts her faith in Jesus, others will be gossiping about how um, you don't seem to get anxious like other people do and you seem to be able to keep stepping forward positively and confidently with this. They even use the the phrase, an unshakable faith. And when they ask, you know, what's your secret? They hear it's because you deliberately choose to trust Jesus every time you make a decision. Because you know that Jesus is true, he's faithful, he's always willing and always able. And so you never need to be afraid. As a man who puts his faith in Jesus, others gossip about you because they see how you seem to get on with most people and have kind of time for people. They notice how you can kind of relate to people across the spectrum, how you're willing to help the guy at work that everyone else wants to avoid, as well as your peers, as well as even the boss. People's status, their situation and circumstances doesn't seem to impact how you relate to them. People would even say you're generous to a fault. And when they ask why, they hear from you that it's because you know Jesus, because you have experienced his extravagant love, his unconditional love, his undeserved favour of how he keeps giving over and above to you how he's promised to never leave you nor forsake you as you serve him. And so you have this freedom to be able to give in loving others without fearing whether you're going to run out because you know Jesus is going to fill your tank again so that you can keep being generous again. As someone facing a tough time, people gossip about your positive demeanour. that you're still open-hearted towards others when they think you'd be hunkering down and kind of shoring up yourself. You seem to be still open to others and still feeling positive even though horrible things seem to be happening. They note that your hope is more than optimism and it even seems to overflow and impact those around you that they seem to kind of end up with a smile on their face having spent time with you. And when they ask you, how can you stay positive when these things are happening to you, you explain you feel secure no matter what because of your relationship with Jesus. Even if it's tough in this life, even if I suffer, in a sense it's okay because Jesus has told me how my story ends and it's all good. You may even quote them this verse from Hebrews or others like it, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me if if God is with me and for me? Now, we don't generally, in the Western world at least, it's not true in much of the world, but in our Western world, we don't face that level of opposition that the Thessalonians were facing. But we do and we will face pressure and opposition, sometimes in more subtle forms, and yet sometimes those more subtle forms are actually more dangerous the subtle power of prosperity for us in the West. You see, prosperity undermines our perceived need for Jesus. We've got all we need. 
We've got a good healthcare system. Kids are going to get a good education. There's not much disease. COVID's maybe changed that a bit. But, you know, we can get on without Jesus. Even for Christians, it's very easy for us to begin to think that way. And the more you have, the more you end up focusing or can on what you have to make sure you don't lose it. And the more you become worried about whether you're going to have enough in the future. And our advertising feeds on that. Just think about all the ads that focus on the seniors and those about to retire. Have you got enough? Have you got the right superannuation plan? Have you got the right life insurance? It's all feeding into that. Don't trust Jesus. Shore it up yourself. We'll face public opposition by progressive liberalism. It's happening now. And humanistic relativism. Keep your views to yourself. That's got nothing to do with me. Don't tell me what is right or wrong. You know, with social media and people cancel you out. You say something they don't like, you're off the radar. They pile on and beat you up online. Think of the anxiety created by the 24-7 news cycle with its constant feed of geopolitical divisions, wars and threats of wars, people's divisive views, constant COVID-19 updates. Mary now gets to the point of saying, turn it off, I'm just sick of hearing all the negatives. All of those things keep reminding us we're not in control. What are you going to do about it? Take it back into your own hands. Stop trusting Jesus. Get it sorted out. Come on, government, sort it out for us. If you don't sort it out, we're in trouble. And then there's all the personal pressures and fears that will always assail us, no matter the circumstances. You know, things like if I say no to my kids, if I limit their access to ITs or when they can get their own uh, smartphone, If I say, no, you can't play sport on Sundays because we're going to church, will my kids miss out? If I don't get into the housing market, a big issue for many people now, what if, what if, what if? Sort it out. Don't trust Jesus. And so like the Thessalonians who were facing pressures and in a different way to stop trusting Jesus, to stop acting generously, to stop being sure about their hope, we too are going to face those things in different ways. And so we're going to have a daily choice like they did. Will I stay connected with Jesus? Will I trust him each time I have a decision to make? Will it be based on who Jesus is? Will I keep risking generous love over self-preservation? Will I allow Jesus' eternal promises to empower me to persevere today? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can be reminded again that you have done everything, that you are our all in all, And therefore we can live that kind of life that you've created us for, saved us for, called us to. Lord, we acknowledge that in various ways, at various times, we fall short. We take things back into our own hands. 
we stop loving because we think more of ourselves. We give up when you called us to persevere and enabled us to. So, Lord, for those moments, and we may even be able to name some of them in our own heads and hearts, Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us to be people who remember you in our everyday lives, in those everyday moments, in those everyday situations when we have to make a decision, maybe on the run. Lord, help us to be people who remind ourselves that, hey, we don't have to hold on. We can be generous because you will keep filling up our cup so it can overflow again. Lord Jesus, keep reminding us of how the story ends so as we face troubles today, we're not deterred, but we persevere with you. And Lord, not just so that it goes well for us, Lord, we know that if we keep living in that way with your help, that our life will be so much better for us. But Lord, ultimately we want to do that not just for ourselves, but so that your name is glorified and so that more and more people because of us see something in us that they would want for themselves and find you as their Lord and Saviour. Lord, let all of those who call Hope Valley Church their church be like the Thessalonians, people that others notice for good reasons, that ultimately don't point to ourselves but point to you, Lord Jesus, and help others to begin to live a life of faith, of love and hope. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing this song that affirms what we believe to be true with all of God's people.